Running Light Ministry podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Hey, this is the podcast for Running Light this week, and it's going to be a short one. Peter's out of town, so it's just me, Bo, and um, I kind of wanted to read something to you guys. It's something I've published years ago or just put out called uh, Unplugging from the Matrix, and it's a brochure that is really for college-age students to try to reach them um, and really help them understand there's a difference between kind of loving and lusting, um, which is really a big deal, and it, it ends up being a real big deal in your life if you don't kind of understand the difference and see the ramifications of uh, both. Um, so... Um, now, dep- now you can maybe look at love and lust and kind of go, hey, well, uh, you might see the ramifications and think, well, you know, I'm okay with those ramifications. Well, that's okay if you are. Um, we all have our choices and decisions to make, and we certainly have a mind that can think um, the way uh, you want it to um, or go in the direction you want it to. So... Um, you uh, you can make decisions. We just want to kind of inform, and that's really my desire is just to help people kind of think through some issues and make decisions based off that. So um, this is kind of a little bit of a metaphor from The Matrix, or I use it as the movie The Matrix, um, in the sense that you kind of got to get unplugged, and that's kind of what I use is this, this world that we live in is kind of uh, everybody, it's kind of an illusion world, and and it's it's kind of wrapped up in this idea of lust. But if you can get unplugged from that lustful culture um, and start seeing things in a different way, kind of outside of the lust box, then um, you know, man, a whole world will open up to you. Um, uh, just a whole new approach to things. And that's what I mean by getting unplugged. So I started off by saying the title, which is called I ain't no bonobo and what i mean by that is bonobo monkey now it says do you know what a bonobo monkey is known for it's crazy sex habits and that's true if you look up kind of the bonobo monkey you'll notice that one of the interesting tendencies that it has is to kind of have sex with whomever and in wherever um it kind of doesn't matter where um it it has sex and how it has sex but it just tends to alleviate its stress or whatever if it's joyful if it's sad it tends to use that as a um, coping mechanism i guess it says have you ever thought that maybe these are those that try to teach you about sex think that you are no different than a bonobo having sex is simply an instructional desire or instinctional desire as food is to the stomach sex is to the crotch so that's how it starts off and it basically is referring to my upbringing uh, growing up in a home and in a educational system in california where you basically are taught kind of the theory of evolution and and if that's true then guess what you're just uh, a overgrown chimpanzee with a larger um, cranium and but really when it comes down to it there is that instinctual desire for uh, sexual behavior and you're just kind of meeting that need um, and so really when it comes to how you meet that need 
there might be some society kind of structures to that or, or what society deems right and wrong but really inside it really doesn't matter because it is really just a part of the instinctual desire and you're just doing what you do as an animal and that's how a lot of us uh, kind of are raised and think um, the famous atheist Aldous Huxley said we objected to morality because it interfered with our sexual freedom and so you see a real honest approach uh, that Huxley took and that is if uh, you know uh, Christianity you know kind of uh, restricted the atheist of any kind of sexual freedom then maybe the best thing to do is just throw off my thoughts of uh, Christianity or any other theistic or non-theistic I guess religion um, as maybe just wrong and that would give you the freedom to experiment this instinctual desire it says I grew up in California where we were taught that was exactly the way it was we came from monkeys and like them sex is what we do and that's what we did I never thought it was wrong and certainly never thought there would be consequences to such education right and a lot of us don't think that there's much consequences to the education that we are told um, but I tend to look at my own life and I kinda go hmm there was some things that definitely uh, there were some ramifications to stuff. It says, we live in a day where sexual stimulation is everywhere. Better sex, bigger boobs, bigger junk in the trunk. We are fascinated with the pursuit of personal pleasure. Self-gratification is what my generation is all about. Sex is about my body, my desire, and what I want to experience. No one can tell me how to use my body. It's mine, me, mine, and I. And we see that all the time in our culture, right? I mean, man, I mean doesn't matter really how old you are you kind of know that our culture is just so filled with it's my body especially right now with a lot of gender identity issues and people really kind of going through like hey what gender am i you know am i a boy am i a girl i kind of feel like a girl sometimes or i really like homosexual sex maybe i'm this maybe i'm that or i like this kind of sex maybe that you know maybe i watched this on porn and you know i, I kind of check that out and now i'm kind of into that kind of thing well you know, we, we tend to go, well, hey, it's me. It's my identity. It's my sexual identity. How do I want to be identified? And, and that's what I'm going to conform to is my own identity. So it's not an identification from without, meaning there is a, we're trying to be transformed into something that's outside of us. It's, no, we're trying to actually conform to something, our own image of ourself. Um, which, is that right or wrong? Could it be right and wrong? Could we have a wrong identity? Does anybody have a wrong identity on themselves? Um, I mean, these are big questions, right? I mean, um, yeah, and you really got to answer that, right? Can anybody really have a self-identification of themselves and be wrong? And if so, what makes it wrong? And what makes someone else's right? Those are huge issues. Or is it just all arbitrary? So, I go on, it is true that the more sexual partners that you have, the greater risk is of not only disease, but future re relational disease. And what I mean is there is more sexual encounters I had, the more I sought my own self-gratification in those encounters, which in turn led to an inability to be in a long-term relationship. So, I kind of go with it, is that when I figured out that I had all these selfish purposes that were attached to my sexuality and my sexual identity, the more I found that there was a risk in my future relationships 
and I found that the more everything was about self and my own self gratification and and in turn I saw that any kind of long-term relationship was probably going to be in jeopardy because of this selfishness that I was cultivating within myself. Everything had to do with what I thought and about me. And again, about this conformity into my own self-image instead of me trying to be transformed into something new or something different from an outside source. And so this, and that's what I was, and that's what we do as people is we're, we're kind of educated in that way that, hey, this is my life, my identity. I'm just doing what instinctually is right. And, and this is how I feel at the time. So, hey, I'm going with it. Now, the problem with this is, is this issue of lust. I say when viewers of porn are imitating it, uh, porn mogul Al Goldstein said, people are imitating the worst possible kind of sex. The paradigm that I am picturing is one of lust as opposed to love. As long as I sought self-gratification in my relationships, failure was just ahead. Lust cannot last because it is un unable to satisfy the human heart. So what I'm equating is that this self-identification became really a lusting after me. It was lusting after my own thoughts. I became, in a sense, my own deity in a way um, and... and it just led me to constantly find unsatisfaction. I was looking to myself to find satisfaction, which I can never find in my own self. I found my own self constantly changing or altering or being sad or depressed or not being able to actually give me what I needed to or what I desired. And that was peace in my heart. I just never could get that. And I say, I struggle with porn. I used to struggle a ton. The porn industry is interesting. It seeks to cash in on customer dissatisfaction. Yep, when we view porn, we go from one image to another and to another and so on, and it sucks. You can never get satisfied. Lust is unable to satisfy. And those that walk down this road are not having sex with the people that they are in the sack with. They're simply self-gratifying with your body as a tool instead of their own hand. Those in the porn industry understand this themselves. When reading The Hardest Man in Showbiz by the porn star Ron Jeremy, you get the idea that he is sad because he has fortified something so long. Um, uh, and, and it's this living of the self-gratification lifestyle um, that he's forfeited something and that something is love. Um, he, he talks about in the book that he wanted to be in a relationship with only one person throughout his life, this one person, but because lust becomes an uncontrollable behavior with no room for selfless acts, he has been bound to the thing which he knows causes him not to have what he so desires. And that doesn't sound like a good thing at all. And um, that's just a bummer. And I really think Ron Jeremy seems like a cool guy too. But it's a bummer to read his book and to see that in there where he desires something so bad and he just can't get it. You know, and it's because of that always looking at himself, always trying to satisfy this lustful inclination in him. I actually understand that so many of us want to have a killer life with someone, but unfortunately we never have that because of what we do in the here and now. The more sex you have, the more you will compare your future husband or wife with that person. Sex is no longer special at all, but we have made it common. 
And when you get to meet a, the person you think you want to spend the rest of your life with, you will have had 15 partners already and you too. And that sucks. You'll be so used to a life of self-gratification, the understanding the best part of sex, which is being selfless and giving, will not even be in your, in your mind. So you won't even be thinking in sexual selfless ways. You'll be thinking just in sexual selfish ways because really your sexual identity is all about you anyway and the reason you're having sex the way you are is because it's all about you and everything becomes all about you and it's hard to break that bubble you know of selfish selfishness um, it's hard to do something out of selflessness and to see a see that that's uh, a, a new paradigm in your life Dinesh D'Souza in his book Why is Christianity so great says um, in one of his chapters, it's a great line, it says the orgasm has become today's secular sacrament. And that's so true, right? Everything is about the orgasm. It's all about the orgasm. It's all about the big O. You know, and you might think you're different than the billions of people that have lived before. You know, that crappy for-self life um, and that you don't think it'll have its consequences. But please don't believe the illusion of the matrix. And that's so true, man. I mean... We would hope to unplug you just a little bit. The Jewish scriptures are filled with guys and girls that have tried and tried to be the most sexually selfish people ever. That's right, the Bible. King Solomon, of all people, was a sex maniac and his life was jacked. King David as well. And his family went to pot. Abraham had sex with the maid. Judas slept with his deceased son's wife, thinking it was a prostitute because he was horny. Lot drank too much and had sex with his daughters. Come to think of it, I think all porn is a parody of the Bible in some kind of weird perspective way. Th through the paradigm of scripture, I understand now that God is real. And he created me and made sex as a way to know him and his love for you and me. I love it that the Bible paints the picture that many of the so-called saints who have trusted God failed miserably, constantly looking at sex through the wrong lens. So we're not alone, and that's what's great about the Bible, is it certainly has the real rawness in it, and not some fairy tale fictional book. And that includes certainly me, as I'm a part of those characters as well in my own life. When I read the Bible, and when I started reading it, I was 17. I started in Genesis, and being raised as an agnostic, a kind of atheist, I was blown away by the idea that God made this union called sex, and it was already talked about in the second chapter of the Bible. The greatest impact on my intellect was the idea that maybe sex was to be special. Maybe I am not a bonobo after all. Maybe one man and one woman for life was really the better pleasure. Maybe I had been wrong. So maybe the self-identification of, of sex, maybe that's the wrong way to look at it. That's what I was thinking. Maybe the right way is to actually look outside of myself towards someone who is actually maybe more complete than me. And that maybe because I'm incomplete, maybe all my self-identification uh, of my sex was really incomplete as well because I'm an incomplete source. That may be only looking outside of myself to completeness, to a complete source, was going to give me a better pleasure. Now, today I've been married 20 years and I've learned many killer sex lessons in my life. But the greatest is that my marriage, in my marriage, sexual arousal today is not from selfish lusting, but from love. The arousal I'm talking about is that which comes from giving joy to my beloved. 
She is mine, and I am hers. My body is hers, and her body is mine. Arousal is not from lusting her, but from giving of myself to her, love. That is much different from the idea of how can I have better sex. Better sex happens when you exalt sex to what it is meant to be. Something maybe outside of us. Something sacred maybe. Maybe something special. Maybe beautiful. Maybe something more beautiful than me and my thoughts about it. Maybe someone else's thoughts about it. Someone being God. Maybe a complete source is even a greater pleasure than mine. So the old way of thinking about sex does not work. If you are not a bonobo, and that is why it will not work for you either. Because maybe you're not a monkey with just a large brain. Maybe there's something special about you. And that's what the Bible's teaching. One day, you and I certainly are going to be old, and on that day, any self-gratification, any kind of lusting, self-sexuality will not matter. We will only desire at that time to see love. Love's roots can go deep in the soil when you see it as special, sacred, and beautiful. For love is not common. Lust is. So there was going to come a time where a lot of our sexual identity and sexual thoughts and what we want and the big orgasm and everything like that, all this selfishness is going to kind of go out the window because it's not going to matter anymore. We're going to be dying. Our bodies are going to be failing. And then what's going to matter really, I'd say, is, is obviously the issues of love. You know, did we love people? Do we care for people? You were not created to be common, but to be special. And that's what I learned, you know, when I started reading the Bible. And I encourage people to try reading the Bible. Look at its view on sex. It certainly changed my life. And it would be awesome one day to see you guys too also in an awesome killer marriage of over 20 years like myself where it has been special and not the norm. It was uncommon. You know, and that's because of, it's a pursuit of love outside of me and not my own sinful inclination or lust. And that's what I mean by getting unplugged for the matrix. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36, 8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.